Homo habilis, Homo erectus, and Homo sapiens. After thousands and thousands of years of evolution, we have a new discovery. Home sapiens has always been around. Places where we live are key to humans. From caves to huts, and from houses to modern villas, our homes have been evolving with us. Is home sapiens fiction or reality? It is up to you to decide. Hello and welcome to the first episode of our podcast on housing. My name is Katerina Bezgatchina and I'm heading communications for Habitat for Humanity in Europe, Middle East and Africa. And I will be your host for this podcast. In our first season, we will have five episodes. This first episode will talk about home and housing, and we will discuss it from a general point of view with an architect. I'm really honored and pleased to invite to be the first guest of our podcast, Esben Christensen, director at GEL. Hello, Esben. Hi, thank you very much, and, and thank you for having me. It's it's really uh, an interesting topic that, that I'm delighted to get to talk a bit about. Yes, and maybe we can just uh, start our conversation and plunge into the questions right away. Um, so as an architect, can you uh, maybe explain or help us understand, is there a difference between a home and housing? I, I think it has a lot to do with uh, sort of one is has to do with functional needs. It has to do with meeting some sort of basic requirements for for comfort, essentially. And I think the other one, and that's housing. And the other one, home, has a lot to do with a social aspect. I mean, how do you interact with your family? How do you interact with your neighbors, with your city, with your society at large? So I think there are two very sort of you know different things at play. And I mean, to us as an office, uh, we we work very much with a holistic view on on sort of development areas and new new urban development areas and so on and uh, our interest in, is very much also in in looking into how can the individual home connect with its community and its city in a meaningful way i think that's that's one of our primary areas where we we really put a lot of emphasis but to me the social versus functional aspect is probably the differentiator between the two yes thank you very much for uh for your response and actually it's one one of the reasons why I invited um, you to the podcast, because I've seen that a lot of times when Gail talks about different projects and different um, uh, things that they're implementing, they also talk about people. Uh, so people are really central uh, to what you do. And I found it very interesting. These days, a lot of people talk about housing, the right to housing, and that everyone needs a home. Why is that? And is there such a thing as the right to housing? Should we really ensure that everyone has a home? I mean, I think that it's a much bigger political and, and economic issue at play here. But I mean, some of the experiences from, from the places that have been sort of fairly progressive on this issue have been that, you know, ensuring people... An, an adequate type of housing is actually cheaper in the long run than, than not doing it, right? So so I think there are, and this is, you know, might be linked to certain contexts. Uh, there's been some experiences from Finland and so on. And of course, we're very much aware and we work at a global level that, you know, the equation can look very different in a different part of the world. I think it's a really, really important goal to work towards. And I think even using the definition home and not necessarily using the definition housing is important because I think there are a lot of examples throughout the world where maybe delivering housing at a sufficient scale and quantity 
you know, there, there's been moderate success at doing that, but it's been much, much, much harder to turn these areas into a home, a home for the individual family and a, very much a home for the community. A lot of the work that we've been involved in, 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 for instance, a place like Mexico that has had a very successful program of building affordable housing, for instance. The issue is if you build affordable housing in locations that are so far away from needs, the basic needs, services, jobs, transportation and so on, you essentially create a situation where, you know, they will never be turned into a home. Uh, and numerically speaking, what, what does that mean? It means that some of these new built areas can actually have up to, you know, 70% abandoned buildings. So people will have gotten the credit, people will have, you know, bought or rented, but because it's just not a viable living situation, they might have to, have to travel three hours to get to their place of employment. Uh, back and forth, they end up simply abandoning abandoning these places. So I think uh, the right to a home is is also an, an interesting way of of looking at it in that sense. Yeah, thank you. I think it's a very a very good connection and bridge to the next question actually that I wanted to ask. And especially you mentioned this example in Mexico, or that that you were aware of. So what are the elements or the essential elements of good housing? And housing is a very complicated and very complex thing. So there are a lot of things. And that's why we as a housing organization also very often struggle because it's very difficult to implement housing projects. But from your point of view, so what are the essential elements that need to be considered when you are embarking on different housing and especially residential uh, construction? Yeah. So I would say, you know, if, if you look at it from an internal perspective, I mean, there's an issue of making sure that basic needs are met, of course. I mean, that's that kind of goes almost without saying. So adding a layer to that, th there is a thing about having good edges and good transitions so that, for instance, you have ways of retracting if you need to, and you also have ways of interacting with the world around you. I think that's a really, really important aspect of good housing. Because again, the way we, you know, as, as human beings, uh, as humans, the primary things that we need in life has to do with relating to other people, right? And that can be an incredibly frustrating experience sometimes. I mean, we all know this, this idea of being annoyed with our neighbors if they're too loud or if they drill at three in the morning or something like that. But on the other hand, we're also really dependent on those social connections. And I, I don't only mean that as a nice thing in terms of, of social life and so on. It also has to do with all of these other aspects about employment and, and mobility and, and access to society at large, right? Nature sometimes as well. So I think a lot of a big aspect has to do with where's the home actually also placed and how is it placed in that in that setting uh, if you look at it from an external point of view so a couple of different things internally a lot to do with basic needs flexibility is really important i think covid 19 has shown us that a lot of us are now sitting uh, in certain parts of wor the world are now sitting in our bedrooms or you know our kids room or something like that and working which just shows that there's a need for these for this level of flexibility because we never know what will happen and even adding to covid like this this interface i mean the balcony all of a sudden became one of the most important spaces in all of Europe, for instance, uh, and in a lot of other parts of the world. I mean, you saw all this balcony singing and, you know, people really using that space because that was the only way they had of interacting with the outside in some cases. So that just is a really good example of how these types of 
threshold spaces or interfaces with the world around you become really important when, when you look at the home as such. I also hope that uh, this COVID situation will also give architects a lot of new thoughts and then a lot of new ideas how to develop houses and how to structure them, how to design them. Because, yeah, we realized that home is central to what we do now. And then there are so many things that, you know, how you need to adjust and rearrange things at home. But I wanted to ask, Espen, uh, when, uh, I know that, well, your, your bureau does a lot of different projects and a lot of them are industrial spaces or are the bigger things. But when people turn to you for residential uh, projects, for housing projects, what are usually the basic requirements or do people put some requirements or it's up to you or you are free to do whatever you want? They give you like a free ride and you, you can do whatever you want. So I think just to frame it a little bit, I mean, housing is definitely something that drives development in almost all the places where we work. So housing is really, really one of the big sort of growth areas in terms of construction and so on. And I mean, we've all seen the statistics of how, what is it, um, the estimate that something like 75% or 80% of, of the world's population will be living in cities by by 2050. And that's a massive shift from even where it is right now. So in the next 30 years, we will really have to go through a, a process of figuring out how do we do that in a good way. There's often a, a big sort of overlap between creating these more people-friendly, human-scale, nice places to be, and actually getting good economic outcomes out of it. Because uh, that often goes in hand with, for instance, not just doing housing, but doing a little bit more sort of mixed use. So, so real blended mixed city districts that might have a bit of employment, they might have a bit of services, they have a bit of everything. So to be honest, I mean, the, the main thing that, that we're asked to do has to do with creating good cities for people. I wanted to, uh, to actually ask uh, as a follow-up to this, I think we are a lot of times now we talk about the design and people pay attention to the design of home, how it looks, where it is, and a lot of other features. But then if we look at some parts of the world that are going through massive urbanization now, for example, in Africa, um, you have huge populations that are moving to the cities. They're living in the areas that don't have basic services or basic elements. Their housing doesn't have proper water. It doesn't have proper sanitation. Um, it doesn't have uh, the, the basic services. It doesn't have electricity. So are we talking about the two, two different kind of areas? Here, we are thinking more about design and more sophisticated things. But uh, what about architects, are there any attempts or any um, ways how to resolve those issues? Uh, or it's just really not up to the architects, it's more to the political authorities and uh, businesses to, to figure it out how to do it and how to make sure that our housing has the basic elements. I think there's a really big role for the architects in this. Uh, you're completely right. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of it has this has to do with land use. It has to do with economics. Uh, it has to do with a number of sort of entrenched political and economic realities that need needs to be challenged one way or the other. So I think there there are, of course, a number of sort of more system thinking hacks that one would have to do to achieve positive outcomes. But I think there is definitely a role for the architect in terms of 
of pushing the agendas around affordability, uh, pushing the agendas around uh, sort of sensible density uh, in the right locations, and and also about where do we place housing. Uh, so I think the architect and maybe especially the master plan architect often have a big responsibility there as well, that, that we need to do the right things because, of course, basic services, electricity, sanitation, and so on, that's that's one aspect that, that needs to be that needs to be checked off, so to speak. But that can also, unfortunately, be done in places that are very much counterproductive to society at large and to the people that will actually live in those homes. So I think, uh, you know, a big thing that we can push has to do with location, land use, being smart about having access to mobility, access to public functions, access to employment, and so on. And, you know, in any project of a certain size and up, there will be decisions you can make that will push the project in the right direction. So I think there's a big responsibility there. Yeah, I, I think so. It's probably a lot of people, Not everyone has a responsibility to do that and, and to be part of that solution. And I wanted to come now to a question that talks about sustainability. Sustainability is a word that everyone uses these days and you you hear it everywhere. Uh, what does actually sustainability mean in housing? When you're talking about housing, what is sustainability? And can architects build homes that match modern needs and are sustainable these days? So I think, uh, again, there, there are a couple of different levels of sustainability. I mean, you have the obvious sort of technical level of sustainability that has to do with, you know, how you are, the performance of your windows and walls and roof and, and all the building components, the technical components, you know, where you can take it very, very far, right? It's interesting to see, for instance, I know of examples of people that move from, and this is in a Scandinavian context where there's been a fairly large focus on energy sustainability since the oil crisis in the 70s, basically. And people even, you know, they might have moved from an apartment that was finished in 2005 or six to one that was finished uh, maybe last year or 2018. And their um, their sort of heating cost might have gone down by doing that to one fourth of what it was before. So, it, you know, it's just an example of showing that it's pretty dramatic what you can do in terms of technology, because that heating cost, you know, relates to the water that has to be heated somewhere that emits CO2 and there's a there's sort of a big component and a big sort of set of ramifications on that. The, the important thing is to kind of address it at the different levels and figure out where can you make the most impact. Uh, because there might be ways where in uh, Latin America, for instance, or Africa or Southeast Asia, where you have a completely different way of looking at this question and you can actually make a much bigger impact by, by tweaking some other factors. To me, a really important aspect of sustainability also has to do with, again, this, this, this notion of location. Where and land use? Where is it that we build, and how does it connect to the to the bigger services and sort of the the bigger connections of a city or region? Does it provide access to employment? Does it provide public services? Can you meet other people by being in that location? So that's a big big question because what happens if you don't if you don't have that? Then then people are quite likely to end up moving somewhere else, maybe to even worse conditions uh, in terms of the actual 
housing unit, but with better conditions in terms of making it a home because you have more access to society at large and unemployment and so on, right? In a lot of the places where we work uh, and a lot of the bigger cities around the world, and this, you can find examples of that all over the place. So for instance, in Chile, in Mexico, in Argentina, all over Europe and so on, but especially in the really, really big cities, uh, for instance, Mexico City or Buenos Aires or somewhere like that, it's surprising how low the density of people actually can be in very, very inner urban areas. Uh, and if you look at the history of those places, what has actually happened is that, you know, an inner part of Mexico City, for instance, that used to have 60,000 people in it 40 years ago, today maybe only has 6,000 people in it. And, and that's already serviced. It's serviced by metro, it's serviced by institutions, by everything, right? Uh, and at the same time, you're in a situation where you're very much building further and further out from the city. And I, I'm recognizing this pattern happening in, in many African countries as well. So we need to be smarter about the square meters that we have already built. I think one of the basic tenets of, of sustainability that we keep forgetting is that you know the most sustainable square meter is probably the one that was already built, built to begin with. So we could we should really really also start with looking into the the housing stock and and sort of the building stock that we have. Can we convert to different uses? Can we take older buildings and, and make them work in a way so that they fit new patterns and, and new family types and new ways of, of living? Because they're already located in places where, in most cases, you have access to, to some of the things that people actually need access to, to create this sense of home. Yes, I think uh, a lot of these projects are happening these days. And maybe just to finish off our conversation, and our, we started kind of with the idea of housing and home. And then I wanted to conclude it also on the same level. Maybe what does home really mean to you personally? Do you have any thoughts, any recollections that come to your mind when you talk about home, but from your personal perspective for you as an individual? So to me, home is, I live in the city. So in a way, it's a, it's a sanctuary. Uh, it's a place where, you know, you get the chance to move a little bit away from the world and maybe focus and, and have sort of different, more introspective, quiet moments uh, in your life. But then it's also very much a base. It's a place that is defined by being able to connect to all of these other things around you. And I think one of the specific examples of that is that right now where, where I live at the moment, uh, I'm so lucky to have the water right next to me, right? So being able to, you know, go out my door, 20 five meters and jump in the harbor for a swim. I mean, that, that kind of experience is, is really groundbreaking and that really gives me a lot of quality of life. So I think in, in that sense, as a base, it's also something that allows you to interact with the city, interact with your society and interact with the world. Uh, so those are the two main aspects for me. Well, and I think that now in the times of COVID and especially in the times of lockdown, all of us uh, appreciate homes and really understood the connection between us and home. And home has been a central theme for many, many people this year. So we never thought so much about home and we never discussed so much about home and we never realized what a home actually means to us. No, that's a really interesting point. Uh, and, and the last 10, 10 months, I think, has kind of uh, put the whole you know theme of home and just flipped it on its head. Uh, and then you can ask, you know, what, what does that mean for spaces where you would normally traditionally work or learn and so on? And I think we're where that, that discussion is completely up in the air still. I, I don't think that has landed at all. So it's, it's very interesting to see how the patterns will be. Uh, I think the idea of housing and the notion of the home is, is more entrenched in us as, as individuals. I mean, you could probably say that civilization started when 
you know, people have humans at some point decided that they wanted to separate themselves physically from waste, right? And they, they started sort of building some sort of notion of a wall or confinement around themselves and shelter from the environment and so on. So, so the notion of home is fairly entrenched in us, I would say almost biologically, but you, we can definitely see, you know, workspaces, learning spaces, they're changing a lot right now. Some organizations are saying, you know, office work that might happen in September 2021. Uh, some universities are going, you know, all distance learning. And how will that actually affect our homes? Uh, because I think there will be a big sort of uh, feedback effect from that happening over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it's an evolution. Or so we have an ev evolution of human beings and we also have an evolution of homes as well. Yeah, definitely. And and just to go back quickly to you mentioned the, this this difference between uh, the idea of the home in in certain contexts and in versus other contexts. And I still find it interesting to see and that that's one of the experiences that we have by working globally that we kind of see the same challenges uh, around around this idea of, of homes and neighborhoods and so on in, in in all the different places we work in. So I think even though COVID might lead someone to think that that we're sort of uh, beginning this movement a little bit away from urbanization and a little bit away from cities, I think personally that um, we will be in a situation where still, you know, there is a need to move around. There is a need to be around other people. There is a need for all of these factors. We just need to find find a sensible way to land in it. And I think the, the same issue is happening in many very developed advanced societies with, you know, long commutes and people spending a lot of time away from their families and so on that we're also seeing in, in, in a lot of other different places in the world. So I think the challenges are the same. Uh, the answers might be very different. But but at the end of the day, I think we all recognize what some of the issues are, and we probably also recognize that the way that we should move to to address some of the issues. Thank you very much, Esben. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. And I think housing is such a complex and such an, a, a comprehensive topic that you know we can probably spend days discussing and not even arriving at the solution. But it was really great, at least, to scratch the surface a little bit and to start talking about those issues. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Home matters to humans. You've listened to the Home Sapiens podcast produced by Habitat for Humanity. It is part of the Build Solid Ground project funded by the European Union. 